We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. An air ball from LeBron James, who waded into the NBA China controversy and managed to make things worse. We'll hear what King James had to say and how he attempted to clean it up on Twitter Shortly, I'm Dave Briggs. Welcome back to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are without a doubt the smartest way to hire. We start hour number two the way we started hour number one with a Monday night football meltdown for the officials. 23-22 Mason Crosby game-winning field goal as the Packers get by five field goals from Matt Prater and the Detroit Lions. A Lambeau leap for Crosby, although it was assisted. I don't think that counts. Coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to go to, this is what we do on Home and Home, we're going to go to the Detroit market with Will Birchfield to get all the reaction from the city of Detroit that feels like they are cursed this morning. But first, let's hear from some of the frustrated angry hosts there in Detroit from 97 won the ticket. Listen to this. If you're not going to bitch about the officiating from last night's game, I'm sorry. You can never bitch about officiating again. I am bitching about it. I don't want to hear you bitch about Spartan Bob. I don't want to hear you bitch about the block against Peyton Siva because Michigan had 39 other minutes to win the game. Not allowed to bitch about Brandon Inge getting hit by the pitch in game 163 because the Tigers had 12 other at-bats to win the game. Yes, there's always other things you can do. But when it's illegal hands to the face twice, when it's a interception, when it's a pass interference, and all those are game-altering plays. Penalties happen in football all the time. All the time, okay? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times they don't have a major impact on the game. Those four penalties had a much, much larger impact on last night's game than any of the things you just listed off. Oh, I disagree. You, we, you, I'm sorry. The guys dropping then, then balls. Then why even talk about no, it? No, I, I, I agree. Why, Stoney, why talk about it? You told me not to get angry. Why talk? I told you not to list off 6,000 things either. You did that. Why <laughs> talk about a game? Oh, you know what? They could have won. They had, they had every no, oppor- I no, no, no. How about this? Let's go to line one. They had every opportunity to win. Line two. They had every- yes, you can say that about any game ever. Michigan had every opportunity to win the uh, Wisconsin game. They had the ball just as many times as Wisconsin did. Look, Next, don't bring go, on Rutgers. No, come on. It would be, no, it, it, it would be I, I don't even want to care. Jamie, I, Jamie it, let me, it, try, it, to, it let me just try thing. to explain something that Stoney, I think here's what you're trying to say. If you go up 17 nothing in that game, the Packers are completely changing what they're doing. The Lions let them continue to run the ball. These the teams refs have, let them. The refs. Not, the, not, the, not the, it's, Jamie. The, the refs Jamie, let them not continue it, their the, drives. The refs, Ah, Jamie and Stoney on 97 won the ticket in Detroit, fired up. Let's bring in the minister of common sense in the NFL. We hope at some point in the future. Ross, I agree 
there. Because look, yes, Detroit had their opportunities. They made a couple of stupid plays, including 12 men on the football field, and they've got to cash in more in the red zone. They can't rely on five field goals to beat Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, it's the awful officiating that made the world a difference. It did, but I, I I would just say I don't think these two need to be mutually exclusive. That they can both be true. That the Lions had their chances. The Lions should have overcome officiating like a lot of teams do, and they should have won anyway. But the officiating officiating is unacceptable. So in my mind, I always say this, Dave. I am a big personal responsibility, personal accountability person, right? And if you're the Lions, I'm bummed out about the officiating, but I am incensed that we had 12 dudes on the field for a field goal attempt. Incensed. I can't believe that we settled for that many field goals because that's what I actually control. You know, that's what we could have done. And we could have won anyway. And the story would have been like, oh, my gosh, the officiating was terrible. And the Lions still won. They still got it done. So that would be my focus. But the officiating, from an NFL standpoint, they need to take some personal responsibility and accountability and just realize too many people are watching. Too much money's on the line. Too many jobs are on the line. With the proliferation of sports betting, it's just not tenable. It's not tenable for people that are putting a lot of money on the games, quite frankly, to have it not be a level playing field. I mean, there are reasons why... They always are out lo- looking out and wondering if there's any kind of foul play. They wanted to make sure it's a level playing on the up and up. Last night, I'm not saying anybody did anything um, malicious, but it was very inept. And I think malicious is worse, but inept's not good either. And they need to fix it. They need to fix it soon. If you just tuned in, go back to hour number one. We're always available on the radio.com app as well as radio.com slash home. Not only that, but we got the millennials, about a million of them, Jordan and Joey and Jacob and Eric and Dylan and Steven. And we're posting all kinds of social clips at RDC Home and Home. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV, the network is at RDC Sports. You can go back if you're just listening right now and you can watch me go ahead and give the three-pronged plan that would fix the officiating issues in the NFL, kind of like Maui in Moana. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's a great song. We love that here on Home and Home. I just got to say this, last word. Sorry, Mason Crosby, Colorado alum, great kicker. You can't have an NFL offensive lineman assist you into the Lambeau Leap. You've got to get there yourself. I know you're a kicker, but you're still an NFL player. Game-winning field goal. Kudos to Crosby. Get your ass into the seats yourself. If not, work on the vertical, vertical leap. It's only six feet tall, but yes. The commissioner has got to fix this issue and he's got to hire, although we can't let go of Ross Tucker. Maybe it could just be a part-time gig, the minister of common sense. Speaking of common sense, didn't seem like LeBron James had much when he entered the NBA-China dispute yesterday. Imagine if LeBron James had an entire week to dream up a game-winning, series-winning shot. And instead of a pick with a short jump shot, 
he turned around backwards and heaved a ball over his head's underhand from half court. That's essentially what the greatest player of our era did when entering this NBA-China dispute. A week LeBron had to think, to talk to all his team of consultants, to talk to the shoe brands, to talk to the commissioner, to whomever he wanted to gather advice and wisdom and knowledge about Hong Kong and China's authoritarian leadership. Instead, this is the crap that came out of LeBron's mouth that Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, when he tweeted his support and then deleted it for the Hong Kong protesters, he was, quote, wasn't educated. Here's the I think when we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only on you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe um, I don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand. And, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that. Too. I would much rather LeBron James just said, man, I really want to sell a lot of goddamn shoes to China. And I really want Space Jam 2 to do really well in China. Because that was garbage. That was worse than I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. He had a week to think of what to say and people to talk to and to get educated on all the situation. And that's what came out of his mouth. That incoherent dribble. I've heard it eight times and I still don't know what the hell he was talking about. He says people could have been harmed. People have been harmed in China and specifically in Hong Kong. They've been gassed and they've been locked up for protesting, for demanding freedoms, for demanding democracy. Now, the financially part, clearly that's the only part that impacts LeBron James. He's made that clear. Somehow he tries to clean this up on Twitter and tweets, let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. Others can talk about that. He went on to say, my team and this league just went through a difficult week. Did you? You stayed in a luxury hotel in Beijing and traveled around in limos and you get paid millions upon millions of dollars to play a kid's game and you had a tough week? I don't understand anything he said. I don't understand how he took a week to say that. And I don't understand who is advising LeBron James, the most visible player on the planet. Ross, what do you make of all that incoherent dribble? Uh, it just kind of makes me laugh. I, I've been pretty consistent with how yeah. I feel about this entire thing. Um, look, I'll be the first one to say I I am not going to criticize people like a Michael Jordan, for example, that don't take political stances because they don't want to hurt their business interests. I get that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. In fact, in some way, you could say I'm like that. I don't ever 
really take any type of political stances on social media or any of the platforms that I'm on, including this show, because number one, I usually don't feel like I know enough about it to really comment. And number two, I realize that almost no matter what you talk about, people will politicize it and half your audience won't like it. And I just don't want to go down that road because what I care about is my family. What I care about are my jobs and my family. And I don't want to hurt those jobs. I don't want to hurt my family. Mm -hmm. I, I like my life right now. So I'm not going to alienate 50% of my audience on social media or any of these shows. So I don't have any problem with that. People can say Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or whoever, they're spineless, whatever. What bothers me, Dave, is when people want to double dip, is when people want to act like it's not about the money. They want to act like, hey, I am all about human rights. I am all about the underserved. I am all about helping people unless it costs me a shitload of money in China. That is what bothers me. I am bothered by hypocrisy. I feel like there's no hypocrisy with guys like Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. And they've taken a bunch of flack for it. No, no worry. Not for me. But a lot of people feel like they could have had a bigger impact and made a difference. And hey, I have a lot of respect for people like Colin Kaepernick that go ahead and make a difference. Just don't say that Daryl Morey's uneducated because he says free Hong Kong. And then you're not going to support those people. When you go, it, it almost smells like, Dave, they go out of their way to support causes that they know will be popular and they know that they will financially benefit from in the States. But then when it's something that will hurt them financially, then they shy away. I know with Steve Kerr and others, you felt like it was the domestic versus international politics thing. It sounds mm -hmm. to me... Like, at least as far as LeBron, you're changing your tune and it's not a, hey, I want to stay away from international politics thing. It's all about the Benjamins thing. Well, and it's also, look, there's nothing consistent. There's nothing coherent. There's no single thread that goes through what LeBron said or tweeted. So it's hard to defend any of it. He also added that Maury could have waited a week to send it. So on one hand, he's uneducated, which... Clearly, LeBron didn't take the time to find out if Maury was educated on why Hong Kong is protesting and the authoritarian rule of the Chinese and Xi Jinping. But then he says he could have waited a week. Look, there's just nothing consistent about it. And then you go back to January 18th when celebrating Martin Luther King and LeBron James has been very clear on Twitter saying this. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So look, he's been very clear that he does want to wade into things that matter. And then on this, just talks himself in circles. I think the principle of nib high, you might remember from Billy Madison, had the best response to LeBron James. Listen. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 
the legendary debate response from Billy Madison said it best to King James. That is the end of that discussion. We'll talk about it a little more later if we can, including a response from another NBA player, Enos Cantor, who's had his life threatened. He had a pointed response to LeBron James on Twitter. But we're going to take a quick break here on Home and Home. And when we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Ballar, the host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network about the NLCS that could be over tonight, the ALCS that resumes at 4 o'clock this afternoon, paternity in baseball, and as Kurt Schilling Welcome back into the game. His former teammate. We'll talk to Millar uh, real quick after after uh, some words from you, Mr. Tucker. That is right. And those words are that the principal of Nib High is hired. That was awesome. That is legitimately the perfect response for what LeBron said. I love it almost as much as I love ZipRecruiter. Because ZipRecruiter helps me hire these millennials that post these awesome social media clips. We didn't just find these people because they're a good-looking face. No, we found them the same way Dylan Miskowitz found his hire as director of coffee. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's got the technology that identifies people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's really no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Outstanding baseball day ahead, ALCS. Garrett Cole on the hill for Houston. Four o'clock is the ALCS. And then tonight, the NLCS could be all wrapped up. The Nationals with the commanding 3-0 lead. That one, 8 o'clock first pitch. Let's talk about all of it with our friend Kevin Millar, the host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Millar, what's up, man? Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. Um, Let's put yourselves... In the Cardinals position, you were once down 3-0 to the New York Yankees. We talked about that expletive-laden rant from Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager. Give me the speech he has to give tonight and our shots of Jack going around the clubhouse. Yeah, let's be honest. They better uh, they better get some speech. They better get some alcohol. They better get something. But it's funny because obviously down three, the 0-4 team's going to be brought up a lot. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, let's just be honest. I don't think St. Louis is the 2004 Red Sox by any means offensively. <laughs> and you saw and you felt that last night when they went down the Osuna deal at second base, leads off with a double, and you don't get – let me put this up a little bit. You don't get, you know, a run or get them over to third base and we have the blunder at second base. It's like, man, those little things – and that's not even talking about the slide and the drop in left field off the Rendon back. Those little things – have to be done and the little things win championships and that's not very good. No, soon has been great for them offensively. And there's no doubt in my mind, they wouldn't be where they were 
or are without them. But that last night was a big, big stinger because you had a chance. And you have Flaherty and you have Strasburg. So you felt it was going to be a one or two run game. And they just got out of hand after that. Kevin, do you think it's fair to say that the Cardinals are still confused from their manager giving them that football speech after after they beat the Braves <laughs> and they still aren't sure what their sport because when they look when they get up there to bat against the national starting pitching, they, they might as well just be playing football because they're doing nothing. Yeah, it, it, it's I'll be honest with you. Offensively, it's been a shock. Anibal Sanchez kind of shutting them out for the first six things, no hit them in St. Louis. They come right back and Max Scherzer, you draw. So it 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 just that's kind of who they've been, though. Offensively, they're not that great. They're like right in the middle of the pack. They pitch, uh, you know, they pitch out of their bullpen. And then Jack Flaherty second half. So this is a team that's going to have to scrap and dogfight anyways. They've been faced with elimination. Uh, can they do it against this Washington team? That three-headed monster is what scares you. Because at some point, you get now you're getting, you know, Patrick Corbin. But, you know, Max Scherzer's right around the corner. Then Strasburg's right around the corner. Anibal Sanchez done great. So I just think that you're, you're in a situation now. You're in a no-lose no situation. Uh, you better score. You better play the game hard, play the game right, and try to get a W and see what happens. It looks like that nasty national staff is going to be all lined up regardless of who they play. And Steven Strasburg, 1-1-4 ERA in his postseason history. The starting pitching for Washington has not allowed an earned run in this series. So when you look forward, regardless of whether it's Houston or New York, Kevin, the thought was that this was not going to be much of a World Series. Are you rethinking that the way the Nationals are pitching? Yeah, I, I, I think that the Nationals have opened some eyes. They got by the Dodgers. You're like, wow, this is kind of a scrappy team. But you have to understand, Strasburg, the way he's throwing now, now he's in the elite. He's in the Garrett Cole situation, right? It's kind of like when he pitches, you can kind of put a W down for – the Nats. And when you look at, he gave up three runs in Los Angeles and for him to sit there and that was in the first inning and maintain and finish through six, that was a huge start. And I just think that that 300 monster, no doubt in my mind that if they do get to the world series and they're one game away from it, it's going to be a tough task for any of the two teams left. And that's including the Astros and obviously the Yankees uh, with their pitch, with their pitching and offense. So Kev earlier in the show, Dave was saying that, you know, the Nationals holding out Strasburg from the postseason, whatever year that was, has has paid off. And that last night was evidence of that. My argument was there, there's no telling that if he had pitched in the postseason a few years ago, that what happened last night still wouldn't have happened. What were your thoughts at the time? And do you think that this proves that the Nationals did the right thing? No, I, I, that, that's on the History Channel. So, Davey, that was a nice try. Uh, <laughs> they didn't do the right thing at that time. This is the big leagues, and I always felt if you're on the big league roster, you're ready to go ahead and let those reins off. But uh, for some reason, we're still developing uh, you know, at this level. And let's be honest, at that time, we were all like, what are they doing? It's not that hard to get to the World Series. It's not that hard to get to the postseason. And you saw the little gap and the little delay that they've had. But now it's like, okay, Strasburg's healthy. Max Scherzer's healthy, Patrick Corbin's healthy. Offensively, Howie Kendricks turned into Manny Ramirez all of a sudden, and he, you know, last couple we talked about last week, highest average over 800 plate appearances. I think he's hitting 325. This Wi-Fi is not very good, huh, boys? 
It's not the we best Wi-Fi, but we'll uh, we'll keep talking as it kind of works itself out. Hey. Ask Matt, ask guys like Mark Pryor about how it has worked out. Look, there's there's nothing to dispute the fact that the way they handled Strasburg sure does look great in retrospect. No, there's no direct thread correlation proof, but it sure as hell looks like a good decision in retrospect. But you guys go ahead and hate on me all you want. Uh, Garrett Cole <laughs> on the hill. Garrett Cole on the hill for Houston tonight. Um, how pivotal is it that they win this game? If they're to lose, is this one just right in the Yankees' wheelhouse? I don't want to call it a must-win, but yeah, let's do that. Is this a must-win for Houston with Cole on the hill? Yeah, yeah. this is your big boy, okay? So what Cole yeah. does, not, not only is he great, but he gives your team a lot of energy. You know, the boys know, he hasn't lost in 25, 26 starts, so offensively you're better. Uh, defensively, you feel better. He's going to strike out 10-plus. This is the guy, you know, and I think that the bullpen of the Astros in game two, they, they got bullet tested. They answered, you know, pound for pound, ring, you know, round for round with the Yankees bullpen that's all we've been talking about, so you got to tip your hat. The question is, can they be that good on the road in Yankee Stadium? And that's the question. The Astros have not been that great on, on, in the postseason on the road. They've been dominating at home. I think they're, what, are they 14 and – six or five or whatever the, the number is at home with the, in the, in the, on the road in the postseason, they haven't been that great. You saw it with Tampa, and you tip your hat to Tampa, but it'll be interesting. It is a must-win. It feels like a must-win, and uh, and this is going to go all the way to seven, I think. I think this is a good old heavyweight fight back in the day. We, you know, we've lost our Mike Tysons, but you're looking at two big boys now. All right, Kev, two questions on tonight, today's game for the Yankees and the Astros. Okay, so number one is – do you think that the Yankees have any chance against Cole? Yeah, yeah. You always have a chance. You get a couple hitters counts in this offense. The problem is what makes these teams so good is that they can all go deep. So you get one hitters count and and a couple and a couple little guys on that on that on those bases and the traffic. That's when you have that one swing. All of a sudden it's three nothing. So I, I, I you got to understand this. They have a chance. The Astros have a chance. Severino's going to be throwing bullets out there. This is going to be a great, great game. All right, then the second part of that question is, why on earth are they playing this game at 4 o'clock? Now, mm. like people like me and Dave and you, we can watch so we don't have real jobs and, you know, we're home <laughs> or whatever. But 4 o'clock, like, what are they doing to the people in California? I mean, what are they doing to the people where Dave's from in Colorado – now, I understand you don't want to have the Yankees-Astros be the night game every time and Nationals are playing. What? How about starting one game at 6.30, the other one at 8.30 or something? You can have a little bit of overlap. Four o'clock. I mean, it's fine by me, but I'm just – I think that's crazy. Do you really think that's what's best for baseball is to have Garrett Cole, Yankees-Astros at four o'clock from Yankee Stadium? Yeah, you're right. You would have thought that had been a prime time. And, uh, you know, it's a little surprising because you're looking at Severino Cole, Yankee Stadium Astros, weather tomorrow is not supposed to be great in New York, we're hearing. So, it, it, you know, it, how do you how do you pass by the whole situation? You would have just thought that this game would have been a prime time. You got the Nationals and Cars, but they're getting a chance to clinch. So you got that East Coast side. Uh, but it's going to be a little odd seeing a four o'clock game. And hopefully those shadows don't interrupt because that's the only problem with start times in the postseason is that. There's shadows during batting practice. Every night we go out there at 7.05 game, but we're taking batting practice about 4.30 to 5.30, and those shadows are no no bueno. But now you're going ahead and you get these weird start times that we never have 
during the season. And shadows become a factor. And we saw that the first couple games in St. Louis. And so hopefully tonight, I don't know how the weather's looking in New York, but those shadows can be a factor also. It's looking beautiful, nice and cool, but uh, a really nice day. I can tell you a network who is thrilled by that start time. It's mine. The other one I work at, CNN, Democratic Debate starts at 8 o'clock. They can probably contend with Nats Cardinals. Yankees Astros would have been a debacle for the debate coverage because, you know, people are taking the Garrett Cole New York Yankees route. And speaking of politics, Kurt Schilling your former teammate who was an absolute horse in the postseason and helped you guys win that World Series. He apparently wants back in baseball, says he has some interest in being the Phillies manager. And I could spend the next 30 minutes talking about the political controversies of the <laughs> Kurt Schilling post-baseball life. Any chance he is welcomed back in baseball I don't. These aren't political statements Kurt has made. He has made some very extreme and controversial comments. Could he be welcomed back in the game? Yeah, you know what? Shill is not nearly as crazy as he comes off. He has obviously won a different, well, I say different road. He has an opinion that, you know, politics, and that's fine. We all have opinions. But, I mean, some of the stuff that he said, uh, you know, he has had to be a man and kind of live with that. But as far as a baseball mind and talking pitching, yeah, yeah, I think he's welcome. I don't know how bad the stuff is and behind the scenes, I don't have the information. You know, I, I just kind of, everybody's got an opinion, right? And we all have an opinion, so keep it to yourself at times. Kirk's never done that. And Kirk's been a very vocal guy in everything he said, even when he was a player and even when he's on the team bus. I just know this, every fifth day, he was the baddest guy I've ever seen take the mound and, and, and with the baseball. And he was prepared. And I'm talking baseball side of it only. There was no one better than a game that you wanted to win in his prime. And so I witnessed that and, uh, and, and showered with him many, many, many nights, you know, after the games. But is he welcome in baseball? Yeah, time heals. Whatever, whatever feelings you heard, it always heals. I mean, Antonio Brown's going to be welcome in the NFL. It's going to heal, you know. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge up there that Kurt Schilling has to offer. So I don't know, managing, you know, at some point you'd think he'd be around in spring training and uniform and kind of getting some reps that way. But listen, Kirk's got a lot to offer on the baseball field. So, Kevin, let me ask you this. How much do you think managers really make a difference? Like how much do you think managers make a difference? Like I think in the NFL, as a player, you never like to say it, right, because you want to feel like you're – but the reality is the NFL coaching makes a big difference. How much of a difference do you think it makes in baseball? Yeah, it, it's funny. It's not that much. You're, you're you're managing men. You're managing egos. You're managing salaries, feelings. So as far as the X's and O's, the game has changed. The game's changed. I mean, they're answering stuff at 1 o'clock with seven dudes, and they got so much information in all the sports. But it's not that big of a deal. It's just the bullpen shifting through the last six to eight outs. That's the big deal. In an American League game, let's be honest, you're not using your bench. So nationally game, you're using your bench. You got lefties and righties, and we're doing all this stuff. American League, really, it's just kind of go up there, and you're patting the guy in the butt saying, hey, bro, how you feel? You feeling good? How's your family? Getting people on the right you know, frame of mind because it's a long season. But I'm with you. It's not like the X's and O's are devastating. We're waiting for some good pitch game, nice defense, and a three-run home run, and take it to the house. So on that topic, Kev, I think I saw where Aaron Boone's only going to start the game, game four, with his bullpen. Talk to me about that decision. 
their bullpen's the strength. So you try to, you know, the, the Yankees, man, I tell you what, it's unique. We saw Paxton not have a stuff in game two. Immediately he goes to the bullpen in the third inning, and they sit there, and it's a tie game all the way to 11. That's not as easy as we just kind of like, okay, bring them on in. It, it, what's going on in this bullpen thing? Because, listen, when I say that, when you make six moves, okay, you got to think you're bringing in six pitchers out of the bullpen. Four of those guys might not have their stuff, or four of them might have their stuff. Two might not then. You're not seeing that. Tampa Bay, they were lights out. The Yankees have been lights out. I mean, Adovino gives up the home run to Springer, but that's the that's the armchair quarterback that we leave in green, you know, before they brought out. But that's all fun and games. But these bullpens have been devastating. So you try to get to your strength. You try to play to your strength. And the Yankees' bullpens is definitely one of their strengths. Talking with Kevin Millar, the host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network. I was surprised at the lack of reaction to a story in game one of the NLCS. Daniel Hudson, uh, he missed that. He was a closer for the Nats, missed the game for paternity leave. I expected an explosion of hot takers and criticism in the clubhouse. Um, I was sat there with my wife, Kev. She saw the alert on her phone and thought, no way a baseball player would do that in the playoffs. <laughs> I was happy to see her reaction because that honestly was mine. Did you ever have a teammate do that? And, and are you okay with that? But listen, that's Daniel's life, okay? I, I'm personally, I probably would have made the game. I'm probably not taking off the roster. Uh, I don't know any of the situations that go on behind the scenes, but obviously we all have different situations behind the scenes and Daniel's thing for his family was to be there for the uh, the birth once again it's an opinion it that, that's their clubhouse they handle it internally we could talk about it, discuss it I personally I'd have been in that lineup that's just me position player mindset we're that way now I might get killed because about being not being a good <laughs> father you know and if that's your fourth kid or third kid or first kid whatever it is but let's be honest it's a postseason and we're trying to win a ring Daddy will be there in a second. Daddy loves you. <laughs> <laughs> so my, That's my, my last opinion. one. My, my Mine last too. One, Kev, my last Kev, speaking of things that lead to paternity leave, have you ever actually met Kate Upton? Personally, no. I've walked out the locker room and kind of did like a step and go, you know, I did like a fisheye. You know, you guys ever do that when you guys kind of act like, Come on, come back to me, Wi-Fi. Come on, there it is. <laughs> when you kind of just fish eye to the left, you know. So yes, I fish eye Kate, and I've heard nothing but great things. She's sweet and awesome to the other girls and wives. So that's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad for Justin Verlander because he's been a bad man this postseason. You know, it's funny. I uh, I've walked by Giselle Bunchen once or twice, and both times I didn't realize it was her until I was like, like I wasn't really paying attention. I was like looking around. All of a sudden, I walked past him. I'm like. Wait a minute. Was that? Yeah, it was. So I regret that. I wish I knew she was coming from further away and I had proper, proper time, proper time to make sure it was her. Uh, yep. I've walked like in the bowels of Gillette Stadium. It was like, wait, that was that was yeah. Giselle Bunchen right there. It's funny. Yeah, that was Giselle. <laughs> I've had I've had a few of those moments before we go Kev just want to touch on one thing that I wonder if it will bubble up in in the next year regarding the NBA in China I'm sure you haven't followed all the the dispute from the start of Daryl Murray's tweet that is deleted now but Major League Baseball is in China they have a 10-year deal to air the games and to grow the game in China should Major League Baseball players 
have to wade into the controversy that may soon come to baseball? Should the game be in China without commenting on things like human rights? And did you hear what LeBron James said last night? I, I haven't gotten into it, the nuts and bolts. You know, um, I know it's a very sensitive subject with a lot of people involved. So stuff like that I stay away from. Uh, but I will tell you this, baseball's done a great job of expanding the game and trying to expand the game year in and year out. So I think that's the good news. Um, but then you start getting some political views and political stuff, and that's where I kind of step away. And that's just because I stay in my lane. You know, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge on that stuff. I didn't go to an Ivy League school, unfortunately, so I'm not well-read in that stuff. Uh, but I know one thing, you know, hopefully this stuff just kind of comes, comes to a normal normalcy, I guess I'd say. But mm-hmm. baseball, as far as expanding it, uh, I think they're doing a great job. And you, you, you've seen that. They're just wanting to get this game everywhere and even in, you know, different countries. And, and it's a lot of excitement. And so that's all I could say because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge on it. And, yeah, I saw LeBron and, uh, you know, he's got a voice and, and a stage. And I think he used it in a, in a proper way at times. Yeah, you really don't see many baseball players wade into the politics, and that's probably a good lane to stay in for Major League Baseball. That we can agree on. Kevin Millar, the host of Intentional Talk for MLB Network. Enjoy the ALCS, NLCS, and the 4 o'clock first pitch that Ross Tucker is such a big fan of. I love (laughs) it, man. I don't get to sleep much. East Coast, heck yeah. Sign me up for that game. Thanks, Kev. Boys, thank you, guys. Sorry about the Wi-Fi. It's all right. We'll no fix worries. it, man. <laughs> Real quick, Ross, did you ever have a, a player have a paternity issue? And what was your initial reaction when you saw the closer for the Nationals is willing to miss a game? I'm just going to be honest. My reaction was no damn way. If I'm the closer, if my team needs to me perform, look, and I'm, I was absolutely happy that my wife had the same reaction. She would want me to go do my job. All right. So first of all, Never remember having uh, a paternity leave issue with a player. I do uh-huh. remember, though, it seemed like every year Aaron Schobel had a baby during training camp and he was gone for like seven to ten days. <laughs> there were some <laughs> well, guys, I'm convinced, that would either time up arthroscopic surgery a week before training camp like Bruce Smith both years I was in Washington so he could skip the first couple weeks of training camp. He'd be like, oh, I need to get my elbow cleaned out. Like the guy's like <laughs> having voluntary surgery so he can get out of two weeks of camp. Um, and then Aaron Schobel and other guys like that having babies during training camp. I remember that. My question, I don't remember anything during the game or it being a chance of a guy missing anything. I know Jason Kelsey for the Eagles just had his first baby a couple weeks ago. My question though, Dave, is when, when I've seen the Daniel Hudson stuff. When yeah. was the child born and how long was he away? He was away just for the one game, which was game one. Um, he thought the baby was going to come around that game that night, that evening, ended up not coming until the next morning. The labor took longer than they expected. But to your point, most of the baseball players I know time all those things out. They, they don't mess around with October. They time out the birth of any pending child to come in the off season. Maybe if you want to mess with spring training, that might be like what you suggested with camp yeah, but, with two-a-days. Yeah, but that, I mean, you can only time things up so well. Um, and right. I think we all know right. that you can't, you know, it's not, uh, it's not an exact science. Okay. No, um, not entirely. 
<laughs> and you can see David Sampson, the former president of the Marlins, uh, was not real happy with it. Uh, what I don't understand about it, though, is they, they were playing in St. Louis. So to me, if his wife was in labor or it looked like she was going to be in labor or whatever, and so he wanted to be there, I have no problem with that. I've thought about this a lot, Dave, and I would definitely miss an NFL regular season game. Super Bowl, probably not. <laughs> I think a playoff game is what's interesting, but one NFL game in the playoffs is a lot different than a seven-game series in baseball. And, you know, neither one, neither delivery for my wife with either girl was, like, totally smooth. There were issues both times. And I've thought about it from the standpoint of I would never forgive myself if something really bad happened and I wasn't there. And I know the chances of that are small. But, number one, I would never forgive myself if I wasn't there. And, number two, that's the best moment of your life. Like, those are the two best moments of my life. I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me enough money to miss the birth of my two daughters. So I would absolutely, I would absolutely miss it. And I, I just wouldn't want to take that chance. So I'm on team Daniel Hudson, you yeah. and Mala, you guys are older than me. You're insensitive pricks. You don't really realize what matters in life and your wife's wrong too. You're right. I'm the bad guy and I feel like a bad guy. All right. Maybe if it was my first, maybe, but I've had three. So second or third, ah, postseason game, I'm the closer. I got to deliver for my team before I concentrate on that other delivery. But let us know, folks, how you feel about all this. Would you miss a game if you were a closer and it was the postseason. Tell you this, Daniel Hudson owes that starting rotation. In that case, Annabelle Sanchez, a big hug, maybe a little gift. Maybe a little push gift goes to Annabelle Sanchez and his wife for the birth of their child. I'm surprised there was so few hot takes out there about it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go back to the NFL and the question of Cam Newton. Could he be on the trade block if he was? Would there be NFL teams that are interested in the 30-year-old QB trying to recover from injury? Quick break, then we're back with NFL discussion. Carolina Panthers are rolling without Cam Newton. Kyle Allen 4-0 in his absence. Cam Newton reportedly set to return after the Panthers by week this week, so he could be back in practice for week eight. Just as that report surfaced, another from Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report. If Carolina sticks with undefeated starter Kyle Allen, the market for Newton would be robust with as many as 10 teams. 10 teams interested, an AFC GM told Mike Freeman. Let's go over the numbers for Cam Newton. His last eight starts, the Panthers were 0-8. 259 yards passing per game, not bad. Nine touchdowns. 10 interceptions in eight starts. Ross Tucker, I can't think of three teams that would have any understandable interest in Cam Newton given their circumstances. Can you? Um, you know what? I think that that's a fun exercise because I do think that there would be some that would be interested. Yeah. 
Um, now, I don't know about the trade deadline for this year. I, I feel like they'd be more interested in Cam Newton after this season, but I could be wrong. Um, some of the teams that come to mind for me would be the Tennessee Titans. I can see Mike Vrabel wanting to have Cam play and maybe run the ball a bunch with Cam. I mean, here's the thing. He's so beat up at this stage that is he willing to run? Are you going to run? How long is he going to last? I don't think that there'd be as much interest as that GM that told Mike Freeman. I think there'd be some, and I think we could go through the teams that might have some interest. Maybe okay. it's the Bucks. I don't know. Uh, you know, after after Jameis Winston, maybe they're done with Jameis and they want to give Bruce Arians a crack with Cam Newton. Maybe that's possible. I don't know. Maybe the Redskins aren't sold on Dwayne Haskins and they just want to get people excited about the Redskins and sell some tickets or whatever. I, you know, there are a few okay, teams that I think would consider it, but I, I don't think there'd be. I don't think it'd be that as many as he suggested. That's for sure. Let's play that exercise. Uh, why would Tampa Bay be interested? They have to see what they have in Jameis Winston. They have to decide yay or nay. They're not a team capable of winning a Super Bowl, regardless of who's a quarterback. So let's just go a few, a few, a, a few of these. Why would Tampa Bay have any interest? Washington, same situation. Have to find out what they have in Dwayne Haskins. Want to get as high a pick as they can in the NFL draft. They are headed nowhere fast. Either of those teams, what's the advantage? So the advantage would be that he could potentially be their long-term solution. He's under contract in 2020. So you could have him for the second half of the 2019 season. A healthy cam. See how he does in Tampa. If, as I believe, they've already made the decision that it's not going to be Jameis Winston for the long haul. Or in Washington, if they really just truly don't think Dwayne Haskins is ready and they want to see if maybe Cam Newton could be the answer while they develop Dwayne Haskins, you would use the second half of the season not for a playoff push, but rather as an experiment to determine whether or not Cam Newton has what it takes to potentially be your franchise quarterback for the next few years. Again, we can't get to three. I, I don't, I'm not, look, I'm not questioning Mike Freeman. Great guy, great sources. We can't get to three NFL teams that have any reasonable interest. I don't see the point where Tennessee, again, another team not capable of winning a Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're 100% decided if they are in, if they are out on uh, on Marcus Mariota. And I think to your point, it couldn't be this year. We'd have to have a fully healthy, fully recovered Cam Newton from the Liz Franck injury. I can't imagine he is suddenly a mo mobile quarterback when he comes back, if it's week eight, week nine, one last team. How about the Chicago Bears? Should they be a team that would have interest right away? And are they a team that could win a Super Bowl with a healthy Cam? They, uh, they would be a possibility as well. I think they would consider it. Um, I mentioned Redskins, uh, Tennessee, uh, Tampa. So that's four. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers? No. Nah. I don't know. I'm just throwing out. I'm trying to get to 10. I, I'm, and mm. <laughs> there's just no way. But yeah. I'm, 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 I'm throwing some out there. 
By the way, I would venture to guess that really only one or two of those would actually be interested. I'm just giving you plausible scenarios. The one thing I know for sure, Dave, and I'm writing about it in my weekly column this week, is there is no way, and I think you agree with me, but I'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. check, there is no way the Carolina Panthers can put Cam Newton back in over Kyle Allen. Do you agree? I think there's zero chance. I mean, just the fact that not only the team is averaging more than 10 points more per start with Kyle Allen, not just are they 4-0, they're scoring more. McCaffrey's look better. The receivers look better. Everything about that offense is flowing, and it just it would disrupt everything. But how well is Cam Newton going to just come in and just say, all right, how is – his personality going to change that locker room if, in fact, he stays the backup? What do you think? So I think it's weird. It'll be a little awkward when Cam's healthy. And I talked to a Panthers source yesterday for my article that said they didn't want to comment on it because it could go either way, which I thought was interesting. I don't think there's any way they put Cam back in there. And there's two very specific reasons why, Dave. Number one, you don't disrupt a winning streak in the NFL. It's like a sleeping baby, okay? You don't wake up a sleeping baby ever. You don't switch quarterbacks when you've won four games in a row, ever. You don't do it. No, no, no. That's number one. Number two, the truth is, Dave, they be putting Cam Newton in a terrible spot. They put him in a really bad spot. Because there's nowhere to go but down. As soon as they lose one game, it's, oh, it's Cam's fault. Put Kyle Allen back in there. They're much better off going with Kyle Allen, seeing how he performs the next few weeks. If he has back-to-back crappy games and they lose, then maybe you pull him and you put Cam in. But not until then, because you would A, be hurting the team, and B, putting Cam Newton in a terrible spot. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just to see how much of a team player he can be supporting Kyle Allen as a backup quarterback. Uh, Everything is overanalyzed with Cam in terms of the body language, in terms of how he is at the microphone, how he is with the media. Should be interesting, but no way. I agree with you. No way, no chance, no how you replace Kyle Allen right now. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.